Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. And welcome to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great estate plans. My name is Tim Seckler. I am your host on this show each and every week. Um, we are now well over 100 episodes just teaching people all the things that I think you need to know to make an effective estate plan. Uh, we've got episodes on legal technical issues like wills versus trust, revocable trust versus irrevocable trust. I've got episodes that we've done on how to uh, apply for Medicaid benefits if somebody goes into the nursing home. In particular, how do you protect your assets if somebody goes into the nursing home because in Pennsylvania it can be 15 grand a month and not – uh, very, very few families are prepared to deal with that issue. Um, and so how do you protect yourself? Now, in this episode, we're going to have a little bit of fun, but it's also going to be an educational episode. We're doing this during the holiday season. Um, and um, so what we're going to do is we're going to do three things not to give your kids and three things to give your kids um, as part of an effective estate plan. So before we get into the material, if anything I say um, – it has your attention. If you get interested in this, you can find out a lot more information at my website, secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R lawfirm.com, um, where we've got dozens of articles, uh, blogs that I've done in the past. You can find access to the old uh, Life and Legacy show. Like I said, there's over 100 episodes of this at this point in time, um, most of them on video, so you can check out our YouTube channel. What what we do is just deliver a ton of content because it's been it's been my experience in, in the decade of doing this that the more information I put out there in the world, the better decisions families make with regard to their plan, their family, um, and, and how, how to manage their legacy. And so we are an education-first law firm, which is the reason for the radio show. If there's anything in here, remember this, this show is for your education and information. It is not legal advice. Um, if you have a legal problem, you need to seek the assistance of an attorney. We're available anytime. You can give us a call at 724-546-4227 or check us out at secklerlawfirm.com. Now, three things not to give your kids. Number one, and this is the big one, and, and so many people make this mistake. The first thing to not give your kids is your house. Okay. Now, why do people give their house to their kids? Um, well, there's a couple of different reasons. Um, one, people are of the belief that they are making some like very savvy tax move, and we're about to discuss why giving the house to your kids is actually a tax mistake. Um, and then the second reason is people want to protect the value of the house from um, long-term care costs. What happens if I end up needing the nursing home? I understand that they count my assets, so why not get rid of some stuff, give it to the kids, so when I get sick, um, that house can't count anymore. Uh, and we're going to chat through this, okay? So I, I said that giving the house to the kids is a tax mistake. Why? I thought there was a death tax. If I don't own the thing when I pass away, no death tax, right? Well, here's the thing. There are two death tax that apply to us Pennsylvanians. One is the federal estate tax. The second is the Pennsylvania inheritance tax. The thing about the federal estate tax, in recent memory, and we're moving in on two decades, 
very few people pay the federal estate tax because the lifetime exemption, how much money you're allowed to transfer during your life or upon your death, is such a big number that it doesn't matter for most Americans. It certainly doesn't matter for middle-class Americans. And so let's say you're a family that has worked hard and saved well. The lifetime exemption since, for, since George W. Bush was in office has been at least $5 million. And that's $5 million each for the husband and the spouse. So if we have, if we have $10 million in today's figure, 2022, today's figure is over $12 million each. So $24 million. And if you're listening to this uh, this show and you have more than $24 million, listen, I think that's wonderful. Um, you do have a federal estate tax concern, and you should get some legal counsel on that. I'd be surprised if you haven't already. But for the rest of us, middle-class Americans, upper-middle-class Americans, we don't have $24 million. We're not currently worried about the federal estate tax. Now, in a couple of years, that figure is going to come back down. Nobody really knows where it's going to go. It's still more than likely. This is just my opinion. I have no, no reason to think this other than it just makes sense that we're still going to have probably in the ballpark of a $5 million lifetime exemption. Why? Call me cynical. I don't think the guys and gals in Congress want to vote themselves into a heavy death tax. They all come out of Congress, they all get the book deal or the TV deal, or they get the consulting deal, and they make a bunch of money. And so if they're going to pass away with $5 million, they don't want to pay the tax either. That's just the way I think this thing is going to go. So I don't think we ever have to worry. Middle-class Americans in the foreseeable future don't have to worry about the federal estate tax. What about Pennsylvania's inheritance tax? Well, yeah, Pennsylvania has an inheritance tax. The rate that people pay depends upon the relationship that you have to the deceased person. So if you pass away and you leave your money, house, uh, assets to your spouse, it's 0%, right? no tax at the death of the first spouse. If you leave money to descendants, kids and grandkids, it's a 4.5% tax. Or if you leave assets to your parents, it's a 4.5% tax. And, you know, I don't want to pay it either, but at 4.5%, so what? I mean, in, in most families, look, if I'm going to leave my son a $100,000 inheritance, he can take $95,500. i am not going to lose any sleep over the 4500 bucks. And I think that's the accurate way to think about the Pennsylvania inheritance tax. Because to, to avoid the Pennsylvania inheritance tax, you have to give up control of your assets. You, you have to do things like give the house to the kids. And I don't think it's worth giving up control of my home, of my money, to save my kid 4.5% at some unknown future date of some unknown future value. And so from my standpoint, be real careful about giving the house to the kids because you're not avoiding that much tax. Now, it, I mean, just do the math. If it's a if it's a two hundred thousand dollar home, we're only talking about nine grand. Nine grand. I mean, you know, not that that's nothing, but I wouldn't give up the control of my house to save nine thousand dollars of my kids' inheritance. That's just the way I think about it. This and here's the other thing: when you transfer transfer a house or a, a, an investment that has grown in value, we have this gem in the tax code right now that is called stepped up basis. So let's explain this concept for a second. I have a house that I bought. I'm going to make up some numbers here. I have a house that I bought in 
1980 for $100,000, and it is now worth $300,000. Fine. We have a $200,000 capital gain, right, the difference. So my basis is 100 The fair market value is 300 Well, if I sell my primary residence, there's no tax on that gain because the IRS largely excludes tax on the sale of the primary residence. If that, pro- if that were a second home, if that were a rental property, I'd be paying tax on that gain, but not on the primary residence. So here's where families get themselves into trouble. I give my house to my kid during my life. My kid now takes my basis in it, $100,000, and it's worth three hundred. Five, seven years later, maybe we need to sell the house because I need a personal care home. I need some help. Um, that bill is 6000 7000 a month. We need to sell the house to come up with the cash. But now the house is in the kid's name, and the kid is selling the house, and it is not the kid's primary residence, which means the kid is going to have to recognize a $200,000 capital gain, which could be taxed at a rate of somewhere between 15 and 18% federal and state combined. So we just made perhaps a $30,000 tax mistake by transferring the house to the kid. And here's the other thing. Let's say I don't get sick during my life. Okay, We don't have to sell the house during my life. My kid inherits the house. Well, if the kid inherits the house, the kid inherits the house at something called, uh, with, with something called stepped-up tax basis. Remember, the basis used to be hundred grand. Now, if he inherits it, he inherits it at three hundred grand. So my kid owns it for three hundred thousand. My kid can sell the house for three hundred thousand and not recognize the thirty thousand dollar capital gains tax. So we have a situation with this house where if it's three hundred thousand dollars, I leave it to my kid. Yes, my kid is going to pay Pennsylvania's inheritance tax at four and a half percent would be what thirteen five. Okay, so he's going to pay thirteen thousand dollars in inheritance tax, but we avoided thirty thousand dollars in capital gains tax. Right? So a lot of the times in this situation, from a tax standpoint, the smartest thing a family can do is nothing. Let the kid inherit the house rather than uh, transfer during life. Now, if we're still concerned about long-term care, what, what happens if I get sick? Okay, Tim, I get the tax thing. What happens if I get sick? Well, that's why we put a lot of houses in asset protection trusts. Because if you put your house into an asset protection trust, now it's protected from long-term care, but we preserve stepped-up tax bases. And that, in my opinion, is a thing an awful lot of middle-class families ought to consider doing, is protecting the house from long-term care expenses, but also preserving stepped-up tax bases through the use of a special trust called an asset protection trust. You can find out all about that by coming to one of our upcoming workshops, which you can find out all about by going to my website, secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R, lawfirm.com. We're just on the site. We provide a ton of education because it's my experience. Once people understand a thing like an asset protection trust and they they think, wow, that actually really makes a lot of sense. Why has nobody ever told me about that? And the answer be, is because it's complicated and not a, law, not a lot of lawyers want to take the time to, to, uh, to explain it all to you. Um, that's my take. Okay, so that's one thing that we want to be real careful about giving away to our kids is the house. The next thing, and it's related, is a filial support claim. What the heck is a filial support claim? A filial support claim is what happens if I go to the nursing home, and for some reason, I'm, uh, well, I run out of money, and for some reason, I'm not eligible for Medicaid. 
well, why would I not be eligible for Medicaid? Usually it's because we gave the house away in the last five years or we gave away some other money in the last five years. Because remember, if I go to the nursing home, Medicaid has a five-year clock. And if you give an assets away during the last five years, there's going to be a period of time you're not eligible for Medicaid. That's Now, now I'm in a situation where I'm in a nursing home, I'm out of money, Medicaid denied coverage because I transferred 100 grand to my daughter, and now the nursing home isn't being paid. Well, Pennsylvania allow, allows nursing homes to sue your children for unpaid balances that they have uh, for your care. Right? Now, nursing homes don't like to do this, but nursing homes also can't allow you to not pay bills and then they go broke because then everybody in the nursing home would just not pay their bill and go broke. And so Pennsylvania has a law called the filial support law. It's like a family support law. And what this law says is that your kids can be held legally responsible for your nursing home bill. Your kid didn't even have to be the recipient of this gift that created the problem. There's a case from, I think, 2012 that was called the Pittis decision. This was a, a Pennsylvania a Supreme Court case where Mrs. Pittis was uh, out of the Philadelphia area, was a, was a lady who ends up in a nursing home. She's got two kids, good kid, bad kid situation. As I understand it, bad kid takes the money, moves to Greece. Okay, Now, mom's in a nursing home. She's not eligible for Medicaid because there's money missing. The nursing home sues good kid. Good kid says, well, I didn't take the money. Sue my brother. They said, well, we can't find your brother. He's in Greece. We're suing you because this isn't about fraudulent transfer. We don't care that your brother got the money. The law says you're responsible for your parents' nursing home bill. Pay up. And the good kid says, can't be. That's, it can't be. So he appeals it. They go all the way to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court holds good kid liable for the, I think it was a $93,000 nursing home bill, because we are legally responsible for our parents' nursing home costs. So how do you avoid this? You avoid this by working with a qualified elder law attorney who understands this stuff. So many of these nickel and dime advice that people are getting is, oh, just put the house in a kid's name or, or whatever, and it causes bombs on the family later because of things like the filial support law. So you do not ever want your child to receive the gift of a, of a lawsuit under the filial support action, do proper planning, take the time, become educated, and hire a lawyer to do this stuff right and avoid these nasty circumstances. One other thing that you don't want to give your kids is an unnecessary tax bomb. All right? um, and where is this applying? I had a client in the other day who has a very, very healthy retirement account, okay, S several hundred thousand dollars in a retirement account. And we were talking about this account, and he had uh, a situation where he wanted to leave some money to the kids if he died before his wife. Um, and he was funding that distribution currently with life insurance proceeds, okay. But here's the thing about retirement dollars, 401k, IRA dollars. IRA dollars used to be like the best thing in the world to inherit because it used to be the case that if my dad left me his retirement account, I could take the money and let the money run, taking annual distributions, but I could let the money run for my life expectancy. So I used to be able to let the money grow tax-deferred, 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 tax-deferred um, for days on end, years on end, decades on end. And, and so if my dad would leave me 
$200,000 in a retirement account. I could let that money ride 30, 40 years, depending on his age when he passed away, and two hundred grand could turn into an awful lot of money over that kind of time in the market with tax-deferred growth. Great. Except the IRS and your Congress, uh, including a number of your local representatives, thought it was too good of a deal. And so what they did was they implemented a thing called the SECURE Act at the beginning of 2020. And what the SECURE Act did was the SECURE Act took lifetime stress for your kids and requires all of your IRA proceeds to be distributed to your kids in the first 10 years after you pass away. So not only did Congress take away uh, potentially decades of tax-deferred growth, let's say your kid is 55 when they inherit the retirement account. What are most 55-year-olds still doing? And the answer is working. So now my kid already has high, I hope, ordinary income tax rates. Now I'm dropping my retirement account on top of his 1040 tax return, and he's going to have to pay ordinary income tax rates um, in addition to his annual income for the next 10 years. And my IRA essentially gets smoked, right? Now, why did Congress pass this? And it's real simple. They wanted your money, right? We've been paying into retirement accounts, 401k plans for um, decades, right? The 401k, the IRA is like the biggest gamble in, in American financial history. And part of the deal was if you pay into these accounts, when your kids inherit them, they can stretch the money for their life expectancy, um, which is part of the promise when we decided to invest in these accounts. And then they changed the deal after we've been doing it for decades to say, no, 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 you know, we really don't like this. We'd rather your kids spend the money. So we're going to force distributions out of the account. And both of your Pennsylvania senators voted for this. And I'm pretty sure all of your state representatives voted or your, your representatives in Congress voted for this. Um, this wasn't a blue thing. This wasn't a red thing. They all voted for the thing. Um, and it is the greatest tax heist against middle-class America that I've ever seen and probably ever done. Um, so what can you do about it? How can you avoid giving your kids this tax bomb? Well, you need to be working with your financial advisors and talking about, do I need all this money in retirement accounts? Perhaps I should pull some money out. Perhaps I should do something now. And one of the things that we did for this particular client I, I started this with Remember, if he died first before his wife, he wanted his kids to receive an inheritance, and that was currently funded with life insurance. And what we said was, well, maybe, let's get with your financial advisor, but maybe what we ought to do is if you die first, we'll leave some of your IRA money to the kids. Because if you die 10 years before your wife, when you leave IRA dollars to your kids, they get 10 years on that inheritance. And then if your wife dies 10 years later, they get 10 years on that inheritance. And now we can stretch their tax liability out over 20 years instead of 10 years, and perhaps that works in their favor. Um, the other thing is if you've got one kid who's a super high earner, a doctor, and you've got one kid who's not, um, you know, a, a clerk at a store, then perhaps we don't want to send ordinary income tax money to the doctor because his or her tax rates are through the roof. Perhaps we send the IRA dollars to somebody in a lower tax bracket, and you fund the other kid's inheritance with other dollars. So it's part of the who gets what part of our conversation. Um, but don't leave your kids a tax bomb. Think through this stuff. The, these repercussions have 
have the repercussions of these decisions could could be tens and tens of thousands of dollars to your kids and people spend no time on them last time you bought an appliance in your house that was a three thousand dollar purchase you probably researched the thing for 15 hours you went to the lows you went to the home depot you went to the local guy you, you compared this one to this one to this one and this one on a refrigerator but people don't spend this kind of time thinking about how i can be tax efficient in my inheritance to my kids so please i know it's not fun to think about but come get the education understand how to do this well for your family you didn't work your whole life to leave some tax bomb to your kids if we can avoid it all right so there there's three things you don't give to your kids my opinion don't give them your house it's a tax bomb Two, don't give them a filial support claim. If you end up in the nursing home, don't let them get sued. Do proper elder law planning. Number three, be real careful and, and analyze the IRA money, the 401k money you have, to not leave them a Secure Act tax bomb, which is essentially the new death tax on middle-class Americans. All right. Now, three things, and I'm running out of time, that you should consider giving your kids. One, an inventory of your assets. If you are asking your child to be your executor or be your trustee, there is nothing more difficult about that entire experience than not knowing what dad has. I've been involved in cases where we had to go to every bank in the county because we knew there was a CD somewhere. We just didn't know which bank. And and one of the toughest things, you're essentially asking your kid to be – the executor, right? Put this puzzle together, except one piece is in the other room, and one piece is down the street, and one piece is down at PNC Bank, and one piece is over there, and the, and we don't even know where the pieces are. So one thing that, that is takes a couple of hours of your time probably is to collect the information about your accounts. I have this type of account at this institution, this type of an account, and here's the account number. So that if they have to pick up the will or the trust later, with that will or the trust is a sheet of paper of everything that you own, and you have just eliminated dozens and dozens of hours on your executor's part or the attorney's part in trying to figure this out. And the attorney, remember, is charging hourly to figure this out. So create an inventory of your assets. Keep it with your estate planner. Go ahead and give it to the kids now. But don't make them piece this thing together. You don't want it to be your kid. We got this joke in our office, and you see it coming because they come in with a BOS. What's the BOS? It's the box of S, right? The, the S word I can't say on Christian radio Saturday morning. Don't have them come in with a bag of S because the box or the bag that has all this random mail in it and taxes in it and statements in it from seven years ago and we found this in this drawer and we found this under the couch and this this thing i don't even know if this still exists anymore but my dad never threw away anything and so now we got this bag of paper that we're trying to figure out and and complete an inventory at that point in time with and we just don't have the right information so don't let your kids come to my office with a bos go ahead and create the inventory so that they know what we have Okay, another thing you can give your kid, particularly the kid that is either your power of attorney, executor, or trustee, the kid with control, you should give them a copy of certain estate planning documents. All right? If you really trust a kid, go ahead and give them a copy of the will. If, you, if they're the power of attorney, they should have a copy of that. The trust. We take the position in our law firm with most families, if they agree to it, the kids can have a copy of the plan, and, but that doesn't, that, it doesn't even go far enough because if I gave you a playbook – if I gave you the Steelers playbook, that does not make you a head coach. 
right? Just because you have the playbook doesn't mean you understand how to do it. And so one of the things that we like to do in our maintenance program, we have an ongoing support program with our clients, is we educate the kids on their future roles and responsibilities with regard to these documents. Because when you do pass away or get sick, the kids call us and they have no idea what to do. Right. Well, what if they what if they understood their roles and responsibilities a little bit earlier? So give your kids a copy of the plan and some education. And then the last thing you can do, and this is actually a self-serving gift. You can give their kids their own estate plan. Listen, if you are a baby boomer, retiree, and you have a kid who's in their 20s or 30s, especially if they have young children, you should be having the conversation with them about whether they have planned. And why did I say this is self-serving? Because if you have a kid in their 20s or 30s, who do you think they're naming as their power of attorney? It's you. You will be the one responsible. Yeah, maybe their spouse first, but if you, if, if, you know, these unfortunate things happen all the time. Somebody passes away, husband and wife pass away, now there's a youngster. Guess who's raising that kid? In all likelihood, it might be you. So wouldn't it be helpful for you to understand what the kid's plan is? Um, we named this person as our power of attorney. We named this as our guardian, and this is the trust. And, and, and for the same reason that you don't want your kids walking to my office with a BOS, a bag of S, we don't want your kids, we don't want you to have to walk in with a BOS with regard to your kids. So one of the greatest things you can give to your kids is um, <clears throat> their own plan, or at least the encouragement to go out and do their plan. All right? So quick review. Three things not to give your kids. The house, a filial support claim, or a tax bomb related to the SECURE Act. Three things you should consider giving to your kids now or in the future. Now or in the future would be the inventory of your assets. Okay, If you trust your kid, go ahead and give it to them or at least keep it with your estate plan. Second is a copy of the estate plan and some education about their roles and responsibility. And third thing you should consider giving to your kid is their own plan self-servingly so that you can understand your roles and responsibilities in that plan. There you go. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Remember, this is for education and information. If you have legal questions regarding your situation, give us a call at 724-546-4227 or check us out at secularlawfirm.com. I hope you enjoyed the episode. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.